in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 634 now of the Ron and Don Show, and along with Charlie, we are right here in the Les Schwab studio. What's up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we just went pending on a place called Burley, Washington, and we did it in five days. We, we have sold the entire city of Burley. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and I have to tell you, when I first heard of Burley, someone had to explain to me where Burley was. So why would people choose us to be the realtors when we live in Seattle and Burley is about 40 minutes to the south? Well, it's because we're regional realtors, not neighborhood realtors, and we'll talk about that more uh, coming up in the show. Also, I can't wait to tell you about a USC football player whose grandfather just passed away, and in his will, he wanted his grandson to dig his grave, and not with a machine, but with a shovel. We'll tell you why, but before we get to that, hey... Let's get to this. Ron just went to a gun show, Guns N' Roses, and he noticed something. Well, it was kind of peculiar. Before we get to that, though, uh, why did you go to the show? Because you ran into someone at a restaurant or a coffee shop or what what happened? Yeah, I went to get some tacos uh, last week, maybe uh, maybe Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night, something like that. And I'm in the bar areas down by the Bezos Balls, that Mexican restaurant down there. And I'm sitting in the bar area and my back was facing the table in the corner. And then I went to the bathroom, come back, and I noticed Slash is sitting in the corner, the guitar player for Guns N' Roses, <clears throat> is sitting right next to the window and he had two guys beside him and they were kind of looking at, at videos on their phone. And I was like, oh, that Slash is here. And I was like, I, hey, he could be here because Duff McKagan, of course, is from Seattle. Like, there's no reason that Slash can't be wherever he wants to be, but I opened up my phone. I, I buy tickets a lot of times on this Game Time app. No, it's like not a sponsorship or whatever. It's just an easy way to buy tickets. And I saw that Guns N' Roses was playing on Saturday. And so I was like, huh. And the tickets down on the floor by the stage were like, you know, $600 or whatever. But I saw a relatively, if you've been to the new renovated uh, Climate Pledge Arena, um, there's there's really not a bad seat in the house. Like, it's a very well-designed stadium. And so there were some seats off to the side of the stage that were $51. So by the time you throw wow. in your Ticketmaster um, charges, it's $1,050. Uh, I mean, dude, the, but and I'm I'm kidding. But I got I got some tickets for on uh, on game time. Yeah, what's kind of interesting about that? And I, I don't know if you talked to him, but you have interviewed him before. In fact, we were down in New Orleans and around Halloween down there. Halloween's a lot of fun, and they have a big festival down there in the fall. And we were working at a rock station at the time. It's called uh, was it one oh was it one oh six seven or one oh seven seven? It was it was the same end concept that they had here in Seattle down a in New more Orleans. Rock oriented, but yeah, yeah. So we were doing we were doing morning drive, and then when when Katrina happened, that was the end of the end. The 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 end never came back after that. So what was interesting though is as the Rock Morning guys, we had the opportunity to interview the 
these bands back behind in a tent, and then we would introduce them. They'd come out on stage. Slash at the time was in a band called Velvet Revolver. And if you remember Velvet Revolver, their lead singer ultimately would end up dying. Was it by suicide or a drug overdose? I think it was a drug Scott Whelan from Stunt yeah. Pilots. And what, what, if you, there is a book. It was written by a manager of Guns N' Roses. The book is called uh, I'm Going to Watch You Bleed. And it's about guns coming up, the way these guys used to live. They were all addicted to heroin. And it was actually Duff that was the first one to get sober. He actually flew up here to Seattle. Uh, he didn't go to an AA meeting. He found an old bike at an old house he was staying at. He started riding this bike. He got really into exercise. He started riding this bike around the city of Seattle for 10 hours a day. And that became his sobriety, that with jujitsu. And in fact, when he started touring with the band again, and, and Guns N' Roses, a lot of times they would come on stage two, three, four hours late because they were still hammered from the night before, is the truth. And then sometimes they didn't make the stage. I mean, the band just completely fell apart. And so Duff and his sobriety said, I can't hang out with these guys. So he went, he got his own bus, and he would arrive at the venue. He would play bass. He would get in the bus. He would leave. And that's the way he maintained his sobriety until all of them uh, decide to get sober. And I remember when we were at Cairo, uh, there were a couple of shows where Ron and I was gone. We were gone. And he is, he, he's, he, he's so thoughtful and he's so smart. We asked him one day, would you come in and would you fill in for us? And then also Chris Novoselic, uh, who was living down in Oregon off the grid at the time, played for Nirvana. Those guys came in and they sat in for Ron and I. And in my little cubicle, I still have the note. He left a picture and he left a little note and he said, hey, uh, basically, thanks for allowing us to fill in for the great Ron and Don, which I thought was amazing. I, I saw that the other day and my son's learning to play guitar. And uh, so he knows who Guns N' Roses are, who Duff is. I thought of that so same I showed, story. I, I showed him the signs. And, so. and uh, he probably maybe would have re remembered that, maybe not. But it was like, he's just eating some tacos. They're playing on Saturday. I didn't say anything to him. But yeah. I, I got to the show and I'm curious about this because I took some video to see how you respond. I believe that Axel is getting a vocal assist in some way. And so I've been through enough concerts uh, and been backstage and done sound engineering and worked in radio for long enough that I can, I can pretty much tell if someone is not doing a hundred percent live stuff. And so I was watching him and uh, we can go into the technicalities of what I saw if you want, but I put something up on my socials and it seems very split. There is a camp of people that the sentiment is basically, Hey man, great show. It was fun. Just seeing a band that I knew from 30 years ago, sort of gave me a bunch of nostalgia from when I was in my twenties and used to love guns and roses. And I had a blast. I was out with my friends we doesn't really matter. Um, we just wanted to go to the Guns N' Roses show. And then there's another camp that feels like, hey, if I am paying for a live event, a music event, then that should be a live music event. Um, you should tell me that whether or not I'm basically going to karaoke or not. Um, if I'm paying $400 a ticket, if you were down on the floor, maybe even more than that, um, there are those people that feel like I didn't get my money's worth because you're not actually doing the thing that 
you advertise that you were doing. I don't have definitive proof on this, um, but you even found a video where he was way out of sync with the vocals that were happening. And so I don't know if there's a plugin like Auto-Tune that happens live now or an AI uh, algorithm that can reproduce some vocals when he can't hit those high notes, but th- there was definitely something going on. Slash, I believe, was playing live because he was pretty sloppy that night that I went. Uh, Duff, no doubt, was playing live. The drummer, I don't know if he's playing to a click track or not. Uh, not Matt Sorum somehow had a fallout with the band. Izzy had a fallout with the band, or they got fired or something because neither of those guys were in the band. Um, so I don't know. Where would you fall? Would you, do you, do you feel like you are owed a live performance? Well, I remember, so we'll go back to when we were top 40 and they did that. They've covered velvet revolver and oh, he did. could, he did not sing the Scott Whelan parts in that range. Yeah. So when it got to the Dan, yeah, all that higher part, mm-hmm. he kind of changed it. And I was, I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute, they're doing a velvet revolver song yeah. with Axl Rose. Were there a lot of people there? It was pretty packed. It was, uh, it wasn't, every seat wasn't sold out, but I would say 13,000. Are they headed to a casino in a couple of years? Maybe. They did this really large, like 45 minute block. I don't know if it was new material or B sides or what, but I was like, what is this? No energy in the crowd. Yeah. Nobody wanted to hear those songs. They're like, dude, are you going to play Paradise City anytime soon? Because this is brutal. Yeah. There was a very long stretch where they did not play one hit. Yeah. So so for me, this was decided for me when we were in our we were in our early 30s. We're, doing, we're at a top 40 station in Arizona, and we're on a morning show called Ron Don Jackie West. Uh, and we played a lot of top 40 music. And because of that, like I just shared, when we were on a rock station, uh, we introduced rock bands. And there, were, there was a, a festival in the summer. It was 107 degrees out. Today, I think with global warming, it would be 120 degrees out. There were eight different acts, and you and I had to get in vans and pick up these acts. One of those, I remember, was more staying the time. Yeah, I picked him up from the airport. Melissa Etheridge uh, played that day. Dude, Destiny's Child was on that bill, and they were not the headliner. Yeah. And and then I remember Enrique Inglace was there, right? And Enrique Inglace. Inglacius. What's that? Inglacius. Is it Inglacius? Yeah. Yeah. So Enrique Inglacius uh, was there. And it was very apparent to me when we were backstage that he was singing. He wasn't lip syncing per se, but he was singing. And then I talked to the engineer. He goes, yeah, he is singing to a sweetened track. He said, when, when these guys play outside, they sing all summer. The, the people that are coming have a certain expectation of a certain quality of the way that this is going to sound. So he's one of the artists that sings to a sweetened track. As I said, what about more stay in the times? Kind of a click sweetened track. I said, what about Melissa Etheridge? She just comes out and, and does her thing. It wasn't on a, it wasn't on a sweet track. Destiny's Child played to a track as well that, at that point. Yeah. And, and so the way they get away with it, it's not lip syncing because they really are singing, but they're singing along with themselves. Couple years later, I'm listening to the Howard Stern show because now we're, we are fast forward on a rock station. In Dallas, uh, a rock talk station, we're the midday part. Howard is doing morning drive, Anchor's morning drive. So I'm listening to the show. Someone had sent him a tape of Enrique Iglesias. Iglesias? Yep. Singing along to his sweetened track. 
And what Howard was able to do, and, and this engineer was able to do, is they separated his vocal from the sweetened track. And Enrique Iglesias sound horrible. Right. Abs- do you remember that? He sounded- I do. And, 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 and so well, I, I think that if let, let me finish up. His career blew up. And in order to garner any of his career back, he went onto the Howard Stern show and he wanted to show Howard that, hey, man, I was singing to a sweetened track. My voice was tired. We're, we're, we're traveling all the time. And with that level of energy, there, 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 there's just no, there, there's no way that I can do that night in and night out. So he sang for Howard. He sounded fine, but his career has never been the same. So I think when you go to a Guns N' Roses show, I think people there have a certain expectation. I wish Kiss would sing along to a sweetened track. They are on their final tour, which has become a joke because you you look anywhere on the internet where they're advertising. And everyone's, dude, your final show was 20 years ago. I thought, hey, I thought it was 25, 30. You've, you've been doing this final show business forever. Uh, I think uh, Metallica, when we introduced Metallica, not on a sweetened track. When we, when we introduced them in New Orleans, and, and what you see is what you get. And I don't think those guys would ever dare, dare be on a sweetened track. I think they would cancel the show which they have done in the past when, when James Hetfield's voice gets tired. When you see bands canceling shows because someone's voice is tired, thank them for that because they're not singing a sweetened track. But Guns N' Roses hitting those high parts, of course they have to do that. And, and you I too, when you we do. heard them, them at Lumen Field, there's no way they're, see, see, they're singing a sweetened track. I, I just went to Elton John. He, he was singing live. Yeah. He changed the arrangements a little bit. Yeah. doesn't sing it in the same key anymore. But so for me... If I'm going to a spectacle, if I'm going to Britney Spears, Pink, uh, Janet Jackson, Madonna, that's all sweet. Some someone where it's like I'm here to see Lizzo, but I think Lizzo sang. Where it's like, okay, there's going to be dancers, there's going to be video walls, there's going to be fireworks. Um, this is a this is a a more of a more mixed media performance. I'm going here for the spectacle. Yeah. I don't mind if you do that. I don't mind if you uh, sweeten the track. If I'm going to a band performance, which is like Guns Guns Axel tried to do some of his moves, but he looked like a you know a guy in his 60s trying to do moves from his 20s. Yeah. Um, I expect you to sing. I just think back to when I same arena. I saw Radiohead there a couple of years ago. And dudes, those guys performed. Those guys sang all the parts, played all the instruments, walked on the high wire. In Who did? Radiohead. Oh yeah. And you, it was sold out, yeah. and you left that show going maybe the greatest concert I've ever seen. Yeah. Because they they took on the challenge of doing their most intricate arrangements, uh, doing them in real time, mm-hmm. uh, not having any any safety net, and it was spectacular. And so, to me. Now, the people that enjoyed Guns N' Roses, I'm not saying it was a bad concert. It wasn't a great concert but by my standards, but the people that had fun, I wish I was more that way. I wish I could enjoy it and not go, wow, Slash did, just did that on the guitar, or wow, Axel just did that with his vocals. Um, I, I wish I wasn't that way, but you can't, once you learn something and you know something, you can't unknow it. And so um, it was a little, a little bit disappointing to me, especially after you know the money that you pay uh, to buy those tickets. Fifty one dollars, dude. After the fees, it was almost two hundred bucks. Wow. 
<laughs> it's crazy. No wonder you didn't invite me to sit by you. <laughs> right. <laughs> we will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. And guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, or eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Schwab has you covered this summer. Yeah, right, we told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with, with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at LesSchwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I was really touched by this story the other day, and it's about a football player by the name of Mason Cobb. He plays at USC. Uh, he's a linebacker. He's a captain. And the guy's a grinder. If you've ever seen him play, uh, he looks like a, a young Bobby Wagner. And he has that, those kind of leadership skills. If you watch Bobby uh, with the Seahawks, just especially with these young guys now, he's the only guy that's that's really around for the Super Bowl era. Think about that. 2013, 2014, and it's Bobby Wagner. And he went to L.A. and they brought him back because they have such a young team. And they said to themselves, it's like, hey, we need some leadership here. And so here's Bobby. So I think of young Mason Cobb. And this is really interesting. Uh, his grandfather, who is 90 years old, just passed away. He says he gets a lot of his work ethic in the way that he plays football and the fact that he is so tough. Uh, in fact, he doesn't even really feel like he's that, he, he's that talented. He just looked at his grandfather uh, for inspiration. His grandfather, when his grandfather was younger, lost his mother when his mother was 16 or 18 months. Uh, and I'm sorry, when his grandfather's 18 months old, lost his, lost his uh, mom. And then his grandfather lost his dad when his dad, I think, was 16 years old. So he spent a lot of time uh, raising himself and working very hard. And Mason Cobb remembers his grandfather because I think about my grandparents who have since passed away. 
I kind of, you know, I, I don't have early memories of them because uh, I wasn't around when they were 30, 40, or 50, but I do have memories of them when they were in their 60s, 70s, and my grandmother well into her 80s and uh, in, in, in young 90s. And, w- and what's interesting about Mason, he said, I got this work ethic from my grandfather. I can remember him working every day of his life. And, uh, and in fact, as he got older, he would still tinker on things. I think this is the secret to longevity, you guys. They've done a lot of studies now on people that retire. And especially if you retire and you had a high-stress job and you're a man, like a CEO, you've done some drinking, maybe you did some smoking, maybe you did some drugs back in the day, maybe you have hypertension and high blood pressure, uh, maybe you're a cop, maybe you're a firefighter, maybe you worked at the intelligence, just, just something that has a lot of dopamine to it and a lot of stress, and then sometimes a lot of boredom, right? A lot of boredom. Uh, Many, many times, if those men get to retirement age, and we talked about this before, they die of a heart attack within the first five years. It is so important that when you decide that you're going to retire, I think the word retire is a horrible word. I think the best word that we can use is we could use the word transition. I'm going to transition into, and think about this, your job. The thing that you're really good at, the thing that has paid the bills, is taking care of your family, taking care of you, maybe put your kids through college. Chances are, maybe it's not something you love, but it's something that you did. And the cool thing about as you get older and as you have a little more uh, financial stability and you put some money away and you've made some investments and you don't have to put kids through college anymore. Uh, and maybe it's just you and your partner. And a lot of times maybe it's just you. There's less people depending on you financially. It does allow you to kind of transition and shift. And in, th- and in fact, I think, think about that often being 56 and then Iran, uh, is 53. We talk about, Hey, what, what is life going to look like for us as we approach 60 and 60? 65, 67, when a lot of people retire. Uh, do you, do you, and, and, and then I want to talk about what Mason Cobb is doing as a result of his grandfather passing, because that's kind of the kicker to the story. Do, do you see, see yourself retiring, Ron, or do you see yourself kind of, kind of transitioning maybe to, to things that, that you love and care about? You know, may, maybe you love photography. You never made any money doing it, and now you decide, hey, I, we, we, we see this sometimes. We have an inspector that's 72 years old. He loved building. He loved being a contractor. Now he's one of our inspectors. He works part-time, and I can see John being around till he's, till he's 102 years old because, because he transitioned from being a contractor to now being an inspector and, and kind of working when he wants to as a house inspector. Uh, I, I think for me, and I, I don't know if I'm an anomaly on this or not, I don't feel like I've ever had a job. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I I don't picture my life in terms of uh, the thing that you were talking about where people struggle is because they made these definitions of like, I went to college, I got a job, I worked at the job, I retired from the job. And for me, like even when, when we were in radio for all those years on terrestrial radio, it wasn't really... If people ask me what I did back then, I, most of the time I would say, I'm a professional smartass. Like I, and that's what I thought of myself as. I would go in, my job was to explain things, to kind of have a commentary on things, make fun of a lot of things, like in a sense, use the skills of verbal acuity and smartassedness uh, to communicate. 
And so in a long winded way to answer your question, because I don't think of my, even now in real estate, I guess it's a job in air quotes, but I don't think of it like a job. Um, that's not how I frame it up in my mind. I've never framed up the last job I had was making bicycle parts in Woodenville <laughs> because that I, was a job. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't wait. That was a job. I yeah. couldn't wait to get off every day. I yeah. watched the clock every day. Time moves slowly. Uh, time was like moved incredibly slowly. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it at all. It was, I, I traded my hours for an hourly wage and I needed that so I could eat and pay my rent. That's the last time I had a job. And so ever since then I've had, occupations that were mentally stimulating yeah. uh, where I was solving problems, where I was helping people. Um, I was interacting with stuff. I was being creative. And so because of that, um, I don't feel like I have anything to retire from. Hmm. Like I'm going to, I've learned now since we moved from radio to real estate primarily, and even though we still do this podcast, it's, it, it's going to continue to change mm-hmm. uh, over my life. And, and, but if I'm open about that and open-minded, and that's why I think I like, I'm curious about so many things that it'll just be different, but I'm never, I don't have a job, so there's nothing to retire from. Yeah. I, I guess is the way that I look at it. Yeah. But the, the, I did like this story about the USC football player. I think the people that overachieve in athletics specifically have uh, most of the time been given an example where they have a, a, a family member that teaches them how to do that. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is this. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, he is going to head off to a graveyard and he's going to head to the graveyard with a couple of his uh, brothers and sisters and cousins. And he's going to take a shovel. And with a shovel, he is going to dig his grandpa's grave. Uh, According to his grandfather's will, they're not allowed to use machines. (laughs) And Mason Cobb says it ain't no joke. Uh, where in Oklahoma, yeah, where we're having to dig this grave because there's a lot of gravel, there's a lot of boulders. Uh, so I don't know what kind of graveyard this is. Uh, but but grandpa wanted us to make sure, really, until his dying day, uh, that we understood that it was very important to have a work ethic. And so, uh, we will all get together and pull out those shovels. And he's excited and for share, it. Share, share, share one of those final memories. He says he's looking forward to this. And it's not like, oh man, grandpa. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, give me this. Give me the pickaxe. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's go. I think it's a great uh, as, think, a, as a tribute to his grandpa. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Hey, Gunner, get your shovel. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down, and that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates, and then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate, and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan, and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. 
replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. It started about six months ago. I always tell you, uh, it starts with a Ron and Don sit down. And I want to be careful about the details we share here. We just sold a property in Burley, Washington. If you don't know where Burley is, it's beautiful. Like I, I would totally, if my son had graduated from high school, was going to college somewhere, I would probably move to Burley. It's down by the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Think of Port Orchard, Gig Harbor, down in that area. And I think about what you can buy in Seattle for a million dollars and what you can buy down there. You can buy acreage, outbuildings, beautiful homes. It's it, and, and, and something that may not be new construction, but something that's maybe even built in the last 10 years. A uh, lot of value uh, down there in Burley. And you're still close to the Costco's and you're still very close to great restaurants, coffee shops, the water, all that stuff. So anyway, we had a couple call us. Uh, and once we get to close, I, I'll ask them if I can share their names with you. They owned a nursery down there. And Ron, they, they didn't mean for this nursery to be a nursery. It just kind of turned into a nursery, right? Well, someone that's just following their interests and said, I want to give this a try. And they, and they, the thing I, one of the things I love about this couple in particular is they, they have things that they're interested in and they do them. And this was something they started and figured out that they liked it and just kind of leaned into that. If it was, if they didn't like it, they probably would have gone a different direction. But this was a thing among the things they tried and experimented with that they turned out that they enjoyed and that they liked. Yeah. And, I'll, and, and I'm going to ask her if I can share a business with you. I'm sure I can. She has a very unique business. Instead of going to a nursery, and I have to tell you, uh, my whole front yard and backyard I planted uh, with nursery flowers over the past couple of years. And it's tens of thousands of dollars for nursery flowers. Very, very expensive. And the same same thing, my house in Magnolia, one in the U District, just it, it it's very expensive to buy nursery flowers. And 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 sometimes these nursery flowers die and you're like, wow, there goes a sixty dollar, eighty dollar, hundred and twenty dollar tree. It's it it's nine uh mind numbing. If you do it at Swanson's, they'll replace it. What's that? They guarantee their plants. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I, I had a lemon tree die and they just I took it, I was telling the guy, he's like, Here's a new lemon tree. It's like, really? He's like, yep. We I have five from Swanson's that have died. Go back there and tell them. They'll give you new plants. Should I take pictures? or? I didn't have to give him anything. He said, uh, he goes, I believe you. <laughs> and he's like, he gave me a new, it'd be nice if you took the picture, but they'll, they'll replace your plants. Wow. If you, but Swanson's was great. I had no idea. And I was like, what did I do wrong? I kind of want this lemons. Yeah. And uh, he's like, if you bought it here, that, that lemon tree's guaranteed. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And any, anyway, they have a business where online you can send her kind of a picture of your yard. And then what she will do, cause she's, she's so fast in tech, she plants your yard online and creates a map. And then you pull up to their nursery. They take all those plants uh, that you've agreed to buy online and that you paid for. They put them in your vehicle. She tells you how to plant them. They come up with a whole plan, and then she sends you home with a map of your yard, and then you know exactly where to put the plants. Because I didn't know initially there's male and female plants and what pollinates, what are the bees like, all that stuff. And so she figures that stuff out out for you. And compared to really big nurseries, it's pennies on the dollar. So they need to sell their home because they're on five acres, and they're like, this thing keeps 
growing. So they, they built another home. They're on 20 acres, not far from there. So then we had this op- opportunity. Uh, first and foremost, we had to take the nursery out. So we pulled the nursery out. And then this home that was built back in 2007, it didn't have a lot of deferred maintenance to it. Deferred maintenance, uh, meaning there were things that were neglected because uh, they treated the house very wonderfully. At the same time, they have two little boys and they're out in the country. And those two little boys were not afraid, along with the family dogs, to take the country and bring it indoors. So we go in there, we touched every single surface, we refinished all the floors, uh, we brought this back to light. And because the nursery plants surrounded the home, we basically had to, to, to replant at the yard. So one of the reasons they chose us is because we aren't the burly Washington realtors. We're not the neighborhood realtors. Anytime someone tells you that, hey, we're the neighborhood realtors, that means a couple things. Number one, they never leave the neighborhood. Number two, they're too lazy to leave the neighborhood. Number three, they want to keep all their deals in the neighborhood because a lot of times they were steal, they were steer those deals to other realtors in the neighborhood. Sometimes the same realtors in their brokerage are on their team. When you're a regional realtor like us and you have this huge social media following and you have this huge podcast that millions of people have clicked on and listened to, it's why people choose us, right? So we recently had a home over in Newcastle this year that went over $300,000 over. She chose us because of all the work we did for four months and because we're regional realtors. We brought people to the table from around the sound and around the country. And in that deal, there were seven deals that were on the table. One of those deals was derived not from the MLS, but from the Ron and Don Nation of people that listen to us on this podcast. Tacoma, yeah, she didn't pick the Tacoma neighborhood realtor. She chose us, and we went $125,000 over. Both those homes we sold in the first six days. We had offers that came early, and we have the ability to market in such a way. We have a bigger mailing list than any brokerage house. You pick a big brokerage house out there, our mailing list, our reach on social media is farther. And it was kind of a thrill on this Burley deal. We had three people that were coming and coming quick. Two of those were cash buyers that we brought. And I was sitting here with Ron last week when we recorded the podcast. And I put up signs in the home identifying who we are, that we are Ron and Don, that we've gone from radio to real estate. Oftentimes, when we sit down and we're doing a deal with a realtor on the other side, the people that have hired that other realtor, they know us, they're part of the Ron and Don Nation, and they trust us, and that is worth a lot. And Ron, you took a phone call uh, last week on the Burley deal, and it was a realtor wanting to know, hey, are you those guys, right? Yeah, you run down from the radio, and she said her clients would be thrilled. The other thing that I like about not being a regional realtor there are no, we are a regional realtor about being a re- regional realtor. Yeah, is there are subcultures that develop in certain areas, and I don't want to say this in a derogatory way per se, but for instance, there might be a trend in a specific part of the Puget Sound area where they won't do staging or uh, agents, it just becomes customary in these in a specific neighborhood to be like, yeah, I'll just take out my cell phone and, and shoot some pictures of this house that's that's empty. Or uh, we're not going to put a bunch of supplements up because that's just kind of how we do it around here. And then when we come in, I had multiple agents uh, call me and tell me things about this listing that we're talking about right now. Like, wow, you guys did the way you presented this house. 
I'm going to steal some of your ideas. I'm blown away that you did X, Y, and Z. That's right. And yeah. we usually don't see that in Burley. Right. We don't see this thing and that thing and the other thing. And so for Donna, that made me feel good because it's like, you know what? We put up a standard that, and again, help me say this where I'm not trying to be have my nose in the air. We put up a standard where it's like, this is what pro means to Ron and Don. I don't care if it's in Tacoma or Burley or Everett or Carnation or Bellevue or, or Magnolia Newcastle or, or Newcastle. Queen Anne or Everett. This is or, how a Ron and Don listing looks. Yeah. And this is the professionalism that we bring. And, and I don't raise or lower my expectation and standards based on the geography. And so when we're in Burley, I hit that thing as if I'm selling a $10 million waterfront mansion. Yep. I, the supplements, the photographer, the video, the online, uh, you know, the contractual stuff. I put as much effort into that house than I do to another house. And not every agent does that. There are agents that have tiers where it's like, oh, if I'm selling a $300,000 condo in Puyallup, I do this package. That's right. If I'm selling this uh, million-plus listing over here, then you get these services. And wow, if I get the Medina house, yeah. then I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at that. Yeah. I, I find that distasteful. Why doesn't the $300,000 condo deserve your best? Right. Why does the person that has a more expensive house get more? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. Everybody should get treated the same way from the way that I think. And we pay for all our marketing materials as a, as a result of that. And plus we market it. So us being Ron and Don, there's a huge advantage there. So the, the neighborhood realtor thing cracks me up. That was something that was created really before there was social media. And make sure that you ask your realtor, what is your reach outside the MLS? What is your reach outside the neighborhood? And you want to find a realtor that actually leaves the neighborhood and is connected to the sound and sells the sound. Sell the sound, not the neighborhood. And if you don't do that, you are leaving money on the table. We sold this house in five days. We sold it early with two cash offers, and it was over what we were asking. How come all the other homes in the neighborhood have been on 45 to 120 days, and they still have a for sale sign out front They haven't sold them? It's because they didn't choose Ron and Don. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. We really appreciate it. If you're looking for Ron, just reach out. He's all over socials, right? Yeah, Ron Upshaw on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, threads. I'm on th- I don't post a lot on threads, but <laughs> I have posted on threads. Yeah. Also, I am Don O'Neill on Facebook, Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram. I post something every day. And in fact, we're going to tell you in the next episode, Les Schwab already, they are collecting food for the food drive. There's a lot of people out there that have food insecurity. All you have to do is stop by Les Schwab. They have 84 centers to serve you. I would encourage you, make it a family affair. Have a party in the neighborhood, a fall party. Invite your neighbors to come. Drop off, drop off canned goods. Over the past couple of years since, since, since COVID, a lot of these food banks are suffering. Les Schwab, as they've been doing for decades, have partnered with Food Lifeline and Aramark. And right now, if you're listening to this, I know you're thinking about Halloween, but I also want you to think about Thanksgiving, 
Christmas is coming, all the different holidays, and Les Schwab is collecting food until November 11th. If you don't know where there's a Les Schwab Center near you, just go to LesSchwab.com. And again, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. When you need us, just reach out at RonandDonSitDown.com, and we'd love to sit down with you today and talk about you being a buyer, a seller, or an investor. And if you're thinking about doing real estate, something in real estate in 2024, we should be sitting down together virtually right now. And then either Ron or I will come visit you and always with Charlie the dog. Until next time, keep your head up and your shoulders back. You've been listening to episode 634 of the Ron and Don show only on the Ron and Don radio network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.